it was kind of terrifying, honestly. Um, but what kept me going was this passion and this dream that I had. And that, in a weird way, comforted me because I knew I was so steadfast in what I wanted to do. And I knew if I focused on that, then I would be okay. But as long as you're diligent about networking and asking for more, you work your way to the top. And also, I think the respect doesn't come unless you've had that you know, history, that backlog of, okay, so what stories have you done and what experience do you have? And what about if you were to be thrown into this situation? And you can't you know, have those correct answers unless you've messed up a couple times. You're listening to the From Here to Wear podcast. From Here to Wear is a community of goal getters and dream chasers. We're transitioning into our 20s, first jobs, scary bosses, talking all things from sex, dating, relationships, wellness, to networking and finances, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. These interviews are bundled with the tips and tricks you definitely didn't learn in school. Hearing from those who've come before us, helping us navigate from here to where. Sarah, thanks for joining me on The Hangry Mexican. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Of course. So, uh, you know, one of the things that that, um, I'm... Uh, it, it just grabbed my attention about you was the the fact that you do everything. I mean, you do podcasting, like hosting, especially like in entertainment, TV hosting. Uh, you've worked in news. I mean, you do you do like uh, you just do everything. I wish I could pick one. I don't. <laughs> I'm a jack of all trades, I guess. Yeah. Well, do you have a favorite one? Oh, I would say you know hosting and interviewing is my favorite thing. You know, I grew up watching the news with my family and have been obsessed with news and just uncovering stories. And so I think that's my favorite thing is just somehow making a way for strangers to relate to one another. So I love, I love the interviewing part of it and the storytelling. That's great. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I got into news because of the storytelling and telling people stories. And uh, you know, you just, you never know if, if the situations that that person is in is going to help out other people to listening to it because one of the things I found out is that whatever you do in life you're not alone there's always somebody else that's going through the same thing yeah completely I think a big reason I started my own podcast is because I found kind of a lack of resources honestly I feel like on social media we see so many perfect lives and I couldn't relate to that because I was going through some really hard stuff with my family and you know, doubt about my career and job future and what I really was passionate about. And I feel like I couldn't find, you know, some of those resources. But the truth is a lot of people are going through those things, you know, whether it's, you know, a family illness or, you know, personal personal problems. A lot of people are going through those things, yet we don't see it. Yeah. So. Well, let's, let's actually talk a little bit about your, your own podcast because I listen to it and I love it. Thanks. It's awesome. Um, so just explain the, the concept of the podcast and why you um, got into podcasting in the first place. Yeah. Oh, hi. Here's a little guest. <laughs> yep. Sandy the Cocker Spaniel. He's our uh, um, podcast mascot here. He's just checking in to say hi. Are we good? <laughs> yeah. So my podcast is a girl's guidebook to the 20s. So I interview really a huge range of women. Um, it's all by women, for women sharing advice on what they wish they knew when they started their 20s. And so, you know, nobody hands you a guidebook like, hey, this is what you need to know before you start this crazy decade. Uh, So this podcast is kind of a first step for people to hear from female CEOs, health and wellness experts, um, entrepreneurs, um, therapists, you know, so we cover a a range of topics, you know, hearing from bloggers or models on um, how they overcome anxiety or insecurity or doubt Uh, and then also you know from therapists and people who uh, have really good advice on more intense subjects like dealing with grief and loss and sexual assault recovery and so I released the first five episodes and each week I'm hoping to release one more but you know how it goes with the podcast you know it's um, it's a lot of fun and it's a passion project for sure. 
what's your process like from beginning to end from when you first conceive an idea for your podcast episode to uh you know when you actually upload it and publish it for everybody to hear what's that process like for you yeah well people listening who are so curious about starting their own podcast my advice would be go for it it's you know it's not too hard to do i mean you just need a couple startup costs to get the equipment and everything like that um for us journalists it's a little bit easier than others but i think you know first off finding intelligent confident badass women who uh, have really good stories to share that's the first and foremost important thing for me and hearing from women who have something to offer uh, diverse women so that's my first step researching and pitching guests sometimes those guests will just fall in my lap uh, you know a friend will connect me or somebody I already know uh, I interviewed one of my college best friends and I think that's one of my favorite episodes just because we're so close but she has you know so much wisdom to share her episode is about, ambition, networking, and creepy men. And so <laughs> the things that nobody tells you about when you start your 20s, like, hey, just a heads up, you know, you might encounter something like this. So pitching and interviewing or pitching, researching the guests, um, somehow getting them to come on my show and uh, and then either interviewing them in person. Um, well, actually, all of my interviews are in person, either in a studio or, you know, work convenient for them. And then, uh, yeah, edit and release it to Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those things. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, distribution is a big thing. Uh, did you have any any help with that, or was it just all on your own research that, that you kind of find out how to distribute your podcast? The free information on the internet is a beautiful <laughs> thing. You know, I I had no idea how to start a podcast, but fortunately, I think, these days, there are so many blogs, there are so many tutorials, YouTube videos on how to do it. And, um, you know, I'm even considering making a video myself just to explain to friends or any of my followers, you know, how do you make a podcast? And so, yeah, I just, I kind of, I winged it. I figured it out. Um, but the barriers to entry, I think, into podcasting and blogging have gotten a lot easier because a lot of people have paved the way before us. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. <laughs> um, I mean, just the equipment that we're using today for this podcast, it's it's good for a little in-studio type setup, but it's also good to take it out on the field and be portable with it. And I've seen equipment that's thousands of dollars. I mean, you can, you can the, the, the thing about podcasting, the beautiful thing about podcasting that, that um, uh, I, I just, I find so interesting is, is that the there's technology out there that will get you the same results for more money or less money depending on your budget. So mm -hmm. anybody can can do this. But like you said, you have to have a good good story to tell. Um, yeah, and the story is. I mean, listening is hearing from smart, interesting people. I don't know. I think that's what <laughs> makes or breaks a podcast. Just take me through a typical day uh, for you because, yeah, that sounds like a lot of coffee to me. But I'm sure that um, I mean, I know a lot of people that drink just a lot of coffee or energy drinks or anything just to to kind of handle their day to day because they have so much on their plate or a lot of projects they have to go through. I mean, yeah. I, I certainly have a lot of stuff to do every day. But uh, just take me through a typical day that, that in the life of Sarah. Well, the beautiful thing about a typical day is that no day looks the same. So I don't think I have a typical day, honestly. Um, but an ideal day maybe would be, um, you know, waking up. I love fitness and health. I used to hate working out. So the first thing I do just to get in the right mindset is, you know, either like go for a run, be outdoors, go to a workout class, um, finding that community of people who are just so positive and optimistic and into fitness, that's really changed my life perspective. And um, so starting out working out in the day, um, waking up early-ish, I'm not an early riser by any means, but try to get my day going. Um, and then when I worked at the news station, uh, that was a completely different schedule. That was every day seemed the same. But nowadays, uh, you know, we'll be working on my computer, researching guests, um, following up with emails, um, blogging, you know, I'm, 
a writer and a journalist. So my favorite thing to do is to write and um, to share my thoughts. So sometimes after an interview, I'll put together some of my favorite or most important takeaways from the guests that I bring on my podcast and uh, we'll share that onto my blog. Uh, And then also a lot of my day is troubleshooting, like some sort of problem will come up or my website will have some sort of glitch and then two hours later I'm down some like YouTube tutorial rabbit hole and I'm figuring out how to, you know, put out like small fires every day. So every day is different, but um, I try to have some consistency like with, you know, working out and, you know, making time, you know, for myself and for my friends, but also just being diligent about, you know, what my bigger goal is. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned troubleshooting because uh, to me, that's, that's uh, my favorite part of the day when I have to do that because I do have to do a lot of troubleshooting as well. In fact, right now for this podcast, I'm monitoring to make sure that we got we have audio going in and everything's working fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I it, I find that troubleshooting elevates your knowledge about what you're doing, beca- yeah. because then you become more experienced. And whenever something comes up and other people are freaking out, you know exactly what's going on and uh, you know how to fix it. Totally, so, that's how you grow. I mean, mm-hmm. you need to have these these little things happen so you know how to handle them in the future. Yeah. Well, what would you say is your favorite part of the day? Oh, wow. Um, and going to bed and falling asleep is not, does not count. <laughs> I think, you know, being a freelancer is just so overwhelming at times. And so my favorite part of the day is that feeling of accomplishment. And so I think it's really, you know, it's easy for people who are freelancing or even if you're in, you know, a nine to five job and you have that stability um, to feel lost or to feel like you haven't accomplished much. And so I think setting a a to-do list, not an enormous to-do list because I do that sometimes and I'll have like 15 bullet points of things that I want to do. And more realistically, that will take me two weeks to accomplish, you know, not one day. So just being realistic with the goals that I have, things that I want to accomplish, whether it's, you know, sending out, you know, these three emails that I've been meaning to get to or, um, you know, adding a blog post, releasing a podcast episode, following up uh, with job applications, different things like that. Uh, when I check off my to-do list, that is my absolute favorite part of the day. And then also maybe like a glass of wine at 5 p.m. <laughs> right when it hits 5 p.m. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, I wish I had your life. <laughs> well, the freelancing life is pretty scary. It's it's pretty, you know, I went from that stability of, you know, every day working at a TV station as a reporter and an anchor. And I knew um, kind of what to expect, although the stories changed every day. Uh, I knew I had to have, you know, a, a news package in the five and six newscasts. And I knew I had to, you know, put out a web story first and I knew who I had to report to. And when you're not reporting to a superior, you're really just reporting to yourself. You're out on your own. Um, It's kind of scary. You know, it's like you hold yourself accountable. So it's fun in some ways, but also being a freelancer can be kind of lonely and intimidating and easy to get off track. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be super disciplined, I imagine, to to be a freelance. Um, and, and in news, what did you do? Were you a news reporter, on-air reporter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I worked at the ABC station uh, in Palm Springs, California, known for Coachella. That's probably how people you know, will know about it. Uh, but yeah, it was my uh, first job out of college. Uh, in college, I worked at an NBC station uh, doing reporting and anchoring MMJing. Um, while in college? While in college. So I wow. went to the University of Missouri and I'm from San Diego. So the reason I went to this school was specifically for the broadcast program because the broadcast students are required to work at this local NBC affiliate. It was grandfathered in. It's the oh, only school in the country that does this where you're not working just for like a campus news station. You're working for an NBC affiliate that broadcasts to mid-Missouri. So you have real viewers, real people who know who you are, and you're held to these standards after you obviously take you know the, the required broadcast classes. So that's where I worked in college, got experience, created a reel, an on-air reel, a tape that I could send to recruiters and news directors, and got hired in Palm Springs, where I 
worked as a reporter and anchor for a year. Now, did you always want to be in news or ever think that you'd be in news from an early age? I grew up watching the news religiously with my family every night. Probably when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, mostly to procrastinate homework, honestly. Like, didn't want to do my homework. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll buy time, like 30 minutes on the couch watching the news with my parents. Um, and, you know, what was actually unfolding in my brain, you know, as I was watching these confident, intelligent, smart, beautiful female journalists on TV, you know, I was thinking to myself, like, I want to be like them. And what a fascinating thing that we trust these people enough to bring them into our homes, into our living room, to tell them, tell us the world's events. And so it kind of started with that curiosity and fascination of, you know, what is this that we're watching? Who are these people? And then that translated into taking media classes in middle school and high school, uh, working for my school newspaper. I was the editor-in-chief of my school newspaper. Small brag. <laughs> I was really proud of that. No, And then uh, – Moving halfway across the country from sunny San Diego to middle of nowhere, Missouri, <laughs> and going to this broadcast school and taking broadcast classes. And it's kind of been my life work, my lifelong passion. So how scary was it for you to even consider going halfway across the country for this particular uh, you know, endeavor and passion that you had when there was no family members waiting for you on, the, on that side? It was, it was kind of terrifying, honestly. Um, but what kept me going was this passion and this dream that I had. And that, in a weird way, comforted me because I knew I was so steadfast in what I wanted to do. And I knew if I focused on that, then I would be okay. And it was hard, you know, not being near my family. Family is the most important thing to me above career, above anything else. You know, my family is the most important thing. And so being away from them was actually really difficult. And also for some reason in Missouri, you know, just being from California, I felt like an outsider at times. A lot of people in the journalism school, you know, come from different parts of the country. And so I think we bonded together, you know, us out of state people all there for the same reason for the incredible journalism program, not just broadcast, but, uh, other parts of journalism too. Um, and how was that experience there? Um, do you have any any particular stories that that stand out to you on your um, regarding the, your time there and uh, you know Missouri working for that NBC station, NBC affiliate, and attending college there? Yeah, I think you know it's so funny looking back at the clips. You know when I was eighteen on air. Now I'm twenty three, and just seeing how nervous I was. You know to to be on air and be on camera, but we we covered so many different things. They threw us into the fire, us like young journalists, because we were, you know, driven and we wanted to do it. We wanted to take on more, but gosh, what did I cover? Um, a tornado that like blew past in uh, mid-Missouri. Um, a lot of like crime and local news. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think what were my favorite stories. I did a investigative report on the, the local airport and it was my senior year and in the advanced broadcasting class, we were required to do two investigative reports. One of them, I figured out the way Columbia, Missouri, uh, you know, tests the quality of their water is like completely whack. Like for the, <laughs> for the terrain, for, you know, the part of the country, it's just, you know, Aaron Brockovich's assistant was involved in this story, you know, interviewed him. So that was a, interesting story ruffled some feathers with the local city government that's always fun that's always fun you know <laughs> yeah they definitely did not like me that's probably why i got so many parking tickets they knew oh, my car no <laughs> no i'm just kidding um and then another story uh i was really really passionate about uh this story about the columbia airport and they it's a tiny little airport and they were expanding to add another or make a new airport. And so they had seven different designs or something like this. They involved the University of Missouri engineering department to assess, you know, which location would be the best. And for some reason, the city council went with like one of the less favorable options, which would waste like a million dollars worth of taxpayer money. Mm -hmm. And so uncovering that and trying to figure out, you know, why the city government 
you know, decided to go forward with this decision when engineering students in a consulting company suggested against it. That also, you know, ruffled some feathers. I don't think I can ever take a flight out of the Columbia airport ever <laughs> oh, again. No. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And it's been a few years since uh, I've done this story. So I hope the facts are straight. But I think it's some, a risk you have to take when you're a journalist and um, being comfortable with upsetting people and, uh, you know, no one else will do it. I think that's the beautiful thing about journalism and the freedom of the press in the United States is that you can, uh, you know, uncover these stories and we have the freedom to release them and, and share them with the world. Would you ever want to work as a journalist outside the United States in some other country? I would love to. I think for a time I considered like moving to, you know, like Italy or something like that and wanting mm -hmm. to learn. I'm mm -hmm. obsessed with Italy, uh, learn Italian and be a, a correspondent or bilingual reporter. That was a dream for a moment. And then I realized, and I think that's impossible, but I don't know. I would maybe still be open to it down the road. I love travel. <laughs> it lights my soul on fire. So mm. that's maybe something to come. And why Italy specifically? What's so uh, great about Italy? In uh... Have you ever been? No. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> but I've heard a lot of great things. People who have been don't even need to hear my answer. They just know it's great. No, <laughs> but um, it's just the culture is so, mm -hmm. you know, passionate and it's just so beautiful. And I mean, gosh, anywhere you go, it's like out of a, a storybook. So it's a little bit of a fairy tale. And I think that's also why I um, thought it would be fun to move there. I went on a family vacation uh, when I think I was like 10 years old and fell in love with the country, traveled there. It was the first time I think I went out of the country with my parents and was just captivated by it. And that hasn't changed. Plus, I love Italian food and wine. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, if I could be like a Vatican reporter, that'd be cool. Right? Oh, yes. I don't know. Wow. No, that's awesome. Um, okay, well, then let's uh, – how, how long were you there at uh, in Missouri? I was there for four years and uh, started working at the station, the local news station, as quickly as I could. Now, is it Missouri or Missouri? Depends who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> if you're from the southern part of Missouri, it's Missouri. But if you're from St. Louis or Kansas City, it's Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so after four years, then you decide, okay, I want to come back to California. Yes. So then where did you end up after that? Palm Springs. So I, from San Diego. Straight I, out from Missouri to Palm Springs. Yes. So I was one of the first um, in my class of broadcast students in college to make a decision on where I wanted to go. We actually had recruiters come to our school and scout for us. People that came, I felt like a, like a pro athlete getting scouted by, <laughs> you know, agents or something like that. I don't know not even into sports, but that's the best analogy I could come up with. But uh, just because the broadcast program was so awesome, you know, these like large news companies saw the talent there and, you know, wanted to pick some fresh, you know, young, hungry journalists to, you know, come to their smaller stations. So uh, for those who aren't familiar, every single city, well, not every city, major city, top 200 cities in the U.S., are ranked on viewership and so those demographics help with advertising and revenue and all of that and uh, so therefore each city is kind of like ranked in a hierarchy of you know the biggest top 10 markets are the most coveted hard to reach you know people want to work there there's more resources at those tv stations so uh, you kind of when you're starting out in your first job you usually go to like a smaller market you know where you can be afforded the ability to make some mistakes. You know, it's a smaller TV station, smaller community, less eyes watching you. That's where you really grow and improve and jump from market to market. So that's just how it works um, if you're a TV reporter. So I started in Palm Springs, which was market 140-something. Um, San Diego, which is, you know, two hours away, is market 28, I believe. And then LA is market two. So you're kind of in this like little triangle um, where you're right like wedged between two much bigger markets and uh, you are kind of held to the same standard. And sometimes you're covering some of the same stories that these much larger markets are covering or they'll come to you because Palm Springs is such a hub for entertainment and news. Um, those bigger stations will come 
to Palm Springs. So you have more eyes on you. So I, it was such an attractive place to start. I liked the company. Um, it was a family owned, uh, family owned TV station. And so I felt really good about it being close to home and also all of the opportunities that could possibly come from being in this part of the country. And I'm, I'm actually glad you mentioned, um, you know, about just your, your, your process to get to kind of like where you are now, but just that journey of starting at a low level market, small market, making your way to maybe like a medium sized market and, and kind of just working that, that way. But, but I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because what I wanted to ask you was, um, I mean, you're, you're still very young and you're very humble about, about it all, about your experience, <laughs> uh, and, and your journey. Um, but I've met people uh, around our age group that they expect mm. to just get to market number two. St- sometimes straight out of college. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> I can't I know, see yes. that you're listening to podcast. I'm shaking my head. So I, I think you know where I'm going with this. Um, yeah. What do you think about folks that, that have that type of mentality and your advice to those folks? Well, first off, I get it. You know, like you... I sometimes feel that too. I feel like, well, I want to be there. Like, I think I deserve to be there. But then you look back and hindsight is twenty twenty, and you're like, no, no, no. I need the opportunity to learn and grow. And so, you know, I'm a millennial. I have that mindset too, where sometimes I just want things instantly, the instant gratification. Sometimes you want it handed to you. Like, I get it. Like, it's, it's nice to, you know, think that way sometimes, but that's just not how it works. You know, that's not how it works in this industry and many other industries, not just broadcast. You start, you know, in a position that's, you know, maybe not your dream job, but as long as you're diligent about networking and asking for more, you work your way to the top. And also I think the respect doesn't come unless you've had that, you know, history, that backlog of, okay, so what stories have you done and what experience do you have and what about if you were to be thrown into this situation and you can't, you know, have those correct answers unless you've messed up a couple times, unless you have that experience under your belt. And so whether you're, you know, in broadcast journalism or working, you know, in finance or real estate or whatever, nursing, uh, you need to have that experience. You have to work for it. It's not easy though. (laughs) Yeah, very true. Um, Okay, so you're in Palm Springs, and how long are you there for at KESQ? I was there uh, a year, and it was cut short. I signed a two-year contract because uh, I was presented with this really difficult situation and grappled with it. I wasn't sure what to do. Um, my dad uh, has ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, which is a uh, muscular uh, neurological disease. So basically the breakdown of all of your, you know, bodily movements and breathing, eating, talking, walking, all of that. And so it's a rare disease. It's an incredibly cruel disease. He was diagnosed when I was in college and it, it was really difficult because family is so important to me. And so it got to a point, um, when I was about a year in, Again, why I wanted to be so close to San Diego because every weekend, you know, my two days off, I was driving two and a half hours to San Diego from Palm Springs. And that was exhausting too. You know, coming back, making that drive, you know, two and a half hours each way, it was exhausting. And so my dad got to a position where he needed help. He went on hospice and uh, he just needed help. My mom needed help. My sister needed help. We only had one caregiver at the time. And for anyone who has been a caregiver or has had a loved one uh, go through a terminal illness, it's it's really difficult. And so I feel for those people. And yeah, I just decided that I needed for the first time in in my young life to really make a decision. Like, am I going to stay at this TV station where I feel like I'm distracted and not giving my all because it is a very demanding job? Or am I going to give my all to my family and they need my help right now so I decided to to leave and that was terrifying that was a hard decision to make but well first of all my heart goes out to you I, I've also had to deal with with thank you that, that type of situation um and thank you for sharing that um yeah it's it's it, it is very scary when you 
leave well first when you kind of jump into something that's uncertain but also when you leave something that's familiar already mm-hmm. um how did you process that how did you deal with that to get to a point where you've you felt comfortable in your decision yeah it was hard you know it it took a while because i i left the station originally on a temporary leave and there's just so much uncertainty and unpredictability with my dad's condition um and so you know it, it was a hard process to come to terms with it and it's been about nine months since i i left the job and I'm now finally feeling okay about it. But, you know, it was definitely a lot of, you know, doubt and worry about, you know, my reputation in the industry. And, you know, I felt like, well, gosh, I can't look like I'm happy because I'm supposed to be here, you know, helping my dad all the time. You know, I'm supposed to be miserable, right? Like, this is why I left the station. And so just retraining my brain to push out those negative thoughts that, you know, are like lies that I'm telling myself, like, no, you can be happy. Yeah, you are going through something really difficult at the moment Um, to tune out, you know, maybe like criticism or judgment from people who really don't know my situation, because the truth of the matter is nobody knows your personal situation more so than yourself. So if you're dealing with something difficult, um, you know, really only like you and maybe your close family or circle, you know, know, and you don't, you don't, owe that to anyone to explain yourself. And I felt like I had to constantly explain this decision and explain my actions and justify it to, you know, either former coworkers or strangers even. And that just becomes an overwhelming burden on yourself. And it's so unnecessary. So it was a long process, but just, you know, keeping up relationships with, you know, close friends, people who I trust therapy. I can't stress that enough. I think that's so important to talk to a professional. I talked to a couple different life coaches and therapists because, you know, you can't do it on your own. You know, life is so complicated and messy sometimes, and there's no shame in reaching out to experts who can provide you with some help and guidance. Mm -hmm. And surrounding yourself with people that, that are positive in your life. Um, I think at, at this point in my life, or by the time I got to this point in my life, rather, um, I had I had discarded people that were just negative. Yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't need that. I, I did like a 180 in the way that I saw life, especially after, uh, well, I'm still doing news, but I started out as a news photographer. So I, I, I saw things that I think most people wouldn't see mm-hmm. in their entire lives. And that that really um, put my perspective in life, just shifted it completely. It turned it upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I tried to not let those things consume me. Uh, and so instead of turning to, you know, drinking or drugs or, you know, anything that, that is seen as negative mm-hmm. um, or unhealthy, mm-hmm. I turned it to doing creative works creative yeah and it's so much more fulfilling i think you know there are so many temptations and distractions and being able to part ways with people places uh, habits that are no longer serving you and you know moving you forward sometimes you just need to cut that out of your life and that's a lesson that Again, like, you know, wanting to be at the number one news station in the country, you know, like you need to find that on your own. Like it takes time to develop those skills and awareness to do that. But that's really admirable that you are so focused. And I think a big thing is to have, you know, like a vision board or a goal and just constantly be checking in on yourself and your progress of, okay, what am I doing? Is this making me happy? Is this helping me toward the goal? And it's great that you've you've done that, and I'm sure you have you know your goals clearly defined and set as well. Yeah, um, I think so. Um, or uh, and maybe not like specifically. <laughs> that sounds pretty intense, but you know, like you kind of have a vision of like what you want, and <clears throat> maybe that's not uh, as specific as like a job title or something, but rather a feeling, like that feeling of accomplishment. Like when you asked me what was my favorite part of the day it was checking off my to-do list so for you maybe you know that those feelings are feelings of accomplishment and success and happiness doesn't necessarily mean like a job title or something 
Yeah. I mean, I, well, you know, I, 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 uh, before I got to LA, I, I do come from uh, a work environment that, that was, you know, toxic mm-hmm. uh, in, in many regards. Um, but what kept me going every single day was waking up knowing that at the end of the day, um, I was maybe changing people's lives in the community mm-hmm. a little bit, if not making, making them better for, for that day. And, and I did have a lot of people throughout my, um, 11 years working news in Santa Barbara coming up to me saying, um, I, re- I love what you're doing. I love your reporting. Thank you for keeping us informed. Um, and that always just kept me going. Yeah. Was that great. the same for you? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, having, um, a purpose is an essential thing for, you know, humans, you know, innately, like having a purpose and being able to contribute is just something that, you know, we all feel like a calling that we need to do, whether it's like contributing with a friendship or a job or something like that. And so, I, that definitely kept me going too, you know, knowing that the work you're doing is impacting or um, helping others in a positive way. That definitely um, kept me going and was a big reason why I liked local news. But then, um, I don't know, another reason I switched and left the industry was because I also saw it changing, which we talked a little bit before this yeah. podcast. And we both see too um, that, you know, you can help people. But now there are new platforms and new ways that are more efficient to you know, communicate and help those people. Exactly. Um, okay, so you leave Palm Springs to take care of uh, family. Uh, and then you, you um, from Palm Springs, do you get to LA or do you go to San Diego for a while? San Diego for a while. So, um, and my dad is still alive and he's doing um, so incredible. He oh, is uh, surpassing mm-hmm. doctor's expectations. He is so positive and so that's a, a reason why I felt like okay to come to to LA from San Diego because we got more caregivers for him, um, you know, and he's he's doing okay. You know, it's the nature of the disease is just like a slow decline, um, but he's he's almost plateaued a little bit. Wow, it, it's that's unbelievable. Incredible. You know, I, I've I've uh, read um, uh, articles about this where where the the positivity of the person itself can mm-hmm. change the direction of or the progress of whatever they have the disease that they're suffering from and i just the incredible like power of the the human spirit i think yes. it's just it's a real thing in my opinion yes i have seen it firsthand with my dad and people in the community you know we come from a really tight knit community in san diego and you know, strangers will tell him like, you are an inspiration to me, Tom, you know, you are making me feel like any, you know, small, you know, hiccup that I have in my day, you know, like I can get through that because I see what you're dealing with, which is like a mountain compared to what I'm dealing with. And the way you tackle this with dignity and grace and humility, um, you know, and positivity is just game changing. And so, yeah, I think his condition is, you know, he's, a fighter he's hanging in there and surpassing doctors expectations our family's expectations it's incredible and i also think faith has a lot to do with that too so we are a christian family and i couldn't imagine going through this process without believing in a higher power so that's awesome you just give me chills oh, <laughs> um no that's that's an incredible story and, and i really wish your dad uh, the best because we need folks like that 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 are an inspiration to others fighting the good fight within themselves to just keep going. I mean, not a lot of people do that. You know, a lot of people, they tend to just give up, but yeah, yeah, it's, I just, I just think that's inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. I'm an open book. You know, it's, (laughs) I feel like my dad's positivity has, you know, like radiated through me. You know, I haven't always been the most positive person, I feel like I'm like here on a soapbox, like on this podcast, but no, like we've all gone through our struggles and hard times. And I honestly think I've been more positive because of him and just what he's been going through. And it's been good. But yeah. Do you think things happen for a reason? I Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think the silver lining in this horrible disease that, you know, he, that he has, you know, it's given 
him the opportunity to inspire others. And uh, there is a reason that, you know, he, he had this disease. It's to empower and inspire others. And, and with me personally, the time to step back from a career and to really reflect and reassess my passions and priorities, that's been such a blessing and wouldn't have happened otherwise unless this tragic disease, you know, happened to my dad. So there, I think no matter what situation you're in, you can find, you know, a positive. There are so many negatives. I could stand on or talk on this podcast, you know, for an hour about all of the horrible things and the negative things and the sadness and the heartache, but that's not positive. Like we need to, you know, inspire others and motivate each other and focus on the good. Exactly. And, you know, the, there was probably another time when I would want to dwell in those negative stories. Um, but I think I, I feel like my podcast has evolved as well from how it first started. So I do want to focus more on just the positive because you're right. I think everybody goes through some negative thing in life, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's work or family related. Um, but if you focus on the positive, it's something that you can almost aspire to also be. It's like if I hear somebody talking about, um, you know, um, some great thing that they accomplished, mm-hmm. maybe they won the marathon or, or, you know, something good like that. Yeah. Then it makes me think like, oh, I want to do that. You know, I want to have some of that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's. um that's what what I tend to accomplish also with this with this podcast or that's at least the direction that I'm moving uh, towards. I um, love that. That's great. <laughs> podcasts are a great way to yes. like I am obsessed with podcasts and I, I want to listen to more of your episodes because <laughs> it's you're just such a natural interviewer oh, too. You don't even have you. any questions up here. I'm like <laughs> when I have a podcast I kind of have like an outline and I'm like okay, what am I going to say? This is just natural for you. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I just, uh, I, I, I love meeting people and talking to them and just, I'm so curious about, you know, what makes them tick? What, what is it that, that keeps them going? Because everybody has a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I find out that if I have questions, then it sounds so robotic yeah. <laughs> in a way. Because it's mm-hmm. like, mm, okay, um, let's see what else can I ask you here that yeah. I haven't asked. It's like, uh, you know, I just, for me at least, I just, I just hate doing that. Um, but, you know, I gotta, I gotta also say that the church has helped me Good. a lot because, uh, when I was in Santa Barbara, um, our pastor, and I'm gonna, uh, I gotta give him a shout out, Pastor Dale Swanson from, uh, New All Life right. Church in Santa Barbara. What's up? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he once gave a service in which he said, um, that that one great thing about Jesus was that he um lo- his best work came from meals with people okay yeah because that was a time for him to to talk and people listened a time for him to interact with with a lot of other people in a more intimate setting and to me i thought that is re- in fact that's one of the things that got me going with this podcast yeah. because I thought he's totally right. You know, uh, the at least in my in my experience, people tend to let loose and and kind of spill the beans, if you will, or yeah. or just talk and converse when they're sharing eating. it, breaking bread together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you think about like the dynamic when you have like a big group dinner, you know, people, you know, sharing stories and laughing and opening up about things and I feel like that's kind of what you're doing you know like we have like coffee and like you know breakfast or whatever and you know we're like sharing a meal together almost sitting at a table and it's it's really cool what you're doing oh thank you it's good therapy too I think (laughs) for for me for me at least um just to just talk about people and get their get their story and their input on things um but the really interesting thing uh, again about you is that that you're dealing with all of this uh, and then you moved to LA mm-hmm. and now what are you doing in LA besides the podcast? Just what give, give am a, I doing? Give oh. us a list. Give us a list of all. Oh the... my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm just trying to like figure out how to survive because it's been about two weeks and I am headfirst in the job search process because although I do like freelancing, I do want to have some stability. So 
you know, trying to find an agent and trying to find, you know, like a new avenue I can go down that uses the skills of journalism and storytelling and interviewing and presenting, you know, speaking in front of a camera. What can I do? Uh, you know, what are those job opportunities out there? So a lot of my time is searching for jobs um, and, you know, also just trying to be diligent about the other things that I have, like my my website, um, Instagram, podcasting, my friends, you know, getting out for some workout and fresh air, you know, every day is different. And so it's been pretty new here. Um, only been here for like about two weeks and wow. Very recent, very recent, (laughs) just trying to figure out like the roads and which way to go. But I've been coming here for years, you know, it's not that different being from San Diego, but it is a big transition for sure. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a far drive to San Diego either. Still yeah. find myself going back like every weekend. <laughs> so that's good. Like every now and then I go to Santa Barbara. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'm going there uh, this weekend. But I tend to go there uh, about like once a month, once every two months. Now that that I'm in LA, but there was a time when I lived in Oxnard, and so it was like 45 minutes away. Mm. So every weekend, almost after work, yeah, I would just go over there, and I still have friends and family over there. But I'm making new friends and family over here in LA too. So yeah. that's. Uh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, how has that process been for you of just making friends and uh, in new places? I think, you know, finding ways to create community for yourself, um, whether you're starting college or you move to a new city for a job, whatever, you know, it's difficult to make friends when you're an adult, you know, when you're not in elementary school and, you know, walking to the cafeteria every day with the same people, you know, like it's different when you're an adult, it's hard. So creating community for yourself. Um, I found a church here that I really like and I want to get connected with a connect group. So, uh, that's, that's something I'm doing to create that community of like-minded people with similar interests. Uh, my gym that I go to, you know, I, I love the positive energy, the fitness, you know, upbeat, you know, just like sense of community it's like a rush when I walk in there people know my name and I think that's important for humans you know like people who are excited to see you and and know you by name and welcome you whether it's a church or a gym and like having that consistency and creating friends and putting yourself out there I also joined a co-working space for females called the forward female it's in downtown LA love it I have two career coaches Um, the founders of this co-working space also offer individualized career coaching and then you know instead of working on my laptop in my apartment where you know I'm by myself and sometimes feel lonely I'll be surrounded by other female entrepreneurs that are career oriented goal oriented and inspire me to you know keep going and and our friends too so it's it takes time but you have to figure it out for yourself you have to put yourself in those situations and so when you have some uh well actually first of all do you travel to downtown LA a lot? I I mean, for this co-working space, I uh-huh. do, but it's it's far from where I live. It's about like 30 yeah. minutes and the traffic. Oh, oh, I know. That's what I was going with. Yeah, because I've only gotten there once and it was to pick up a press credential from the sheriff's <laughs> and office. I'm never going back. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's it's usually pretty hectic uh, with traffic. It's it's like, I I don't know. I, I, I don't get nervous about driving in LA but once I get to downtown, I kind of shake a little bit. It's just, like, it, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Plus parking. I mean, it's just. The crazy oh, thing yeah. about LA, each part <laughs> of the city is so wildly different. Yes. Like if you go to like Beverly Hills or Santa Monica or, you know, Hollywood, downtown LA, all these different communities. But that's what's so cool. You know, you'll drive like a few miles and it'll take you 30 minutes to get those few miles, but it's just so different and it's so many different people and food and cultures and lifestyles. It's such a melting pot. It's, it's really exciting to be here. No, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's what, what, uh, it keeps me kind of waking up every morning, looking forward to the day. Um, you know, what's going to happen today? Who am I going to meet? Uh, right. Yeah. Just, uh, walking down the street, what's down there, you know, or, or what, when I what I do usually to get to work is I tend to take different routes mm-hmm. and and yeah, just getting to know just not only the back streets the and the roads to kind of get around the 405 which yeah. can be pretty messy, uh, but also to um, yeah, just just see the the differences in the community. And, and I mean, after all, I am covering 
uh, you know, this is part of the market I'm covering. Yeah. So in the community I'm, I'm covering. So why not get to know it? And for me, at least the best way to get to know the community you're serving is to get out there. Right. So when you were in Missouri and Palm Springs, how did you um, get to know that community? I mean, did you do something on your days off maybe that that uh, to kind of help you with that? Or was it just all about kind of filling it out and asking people back at the station? No, I think you have to, you know, make those connections and, you know, set up meetings with city leaders. When you're a new journalist in town, you know, you kind of have to like really understand the the people in the place that you're serving and be familiar with the different demographics and the different, you know, like regions of the city and, you know, where things are happening and what's going on where. So uh, the interesting thing about Palm Springs was just the disparity in wealth um, and how it was, a you know, it is a huge tourism attraction, but it's also, you know, like a very big, you know, migrant agricultural community. There are really big issues with, um, you know, uh, you know, wealth, education, resources into those lower income areas. And then you drive, you know, 30 minutes and you're in La Quinta, Indian Wells or Palm Springs and it's mansions and pools and golf courses. And, you know, only a couple miles away, there are people who have food insecurity and things like that. So, you know, a lot of those uh, things that I picked up and the way I learned about that, obviously hearing about it, but seeing it firsthand, being like thrown into stories in different parts of, you know, Palm Springs or, um, you know, all areas of Coachella Valley. And so seeing that, and then also really cool, Palm Springs has a huge gay community, which is so awesome. It's so vibrant. And so you really have this very dimensional uh, community, but there's no way you can see that by reading about it. You have to go out and meet those people and make those connections and see for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you can't just stay back at the station and after 5 p.m. just call it a day. Right. And go back home, do it, do the same thing all over again the next day. No, you have yeah. to go out there and do it. Yeah, that's what's <laughs> exciting about it. It's definitely not for everyone, though. Some people, you know, it's, that's intimidating to them. And that's okay, too. You know, some people, it's okay if you, you like the routine. But I know for me, I, I couldn't I couldn't do that. I'd rip my hair out, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and I, I, I think that's kind of also one of the important things about digital, too. You get to meet a lot more people in the community um, of, like, podcasting mm-hmm. or um journalism or whatever other communities you want to be part of you can easily do that now i feel with with social media now yeah. having said that though i don't mean like just stay on social media like actually go out and meet people face to face and say yeah. hi yeah um but uh let's talk a little bit about digital because that is such a big component about what you and i do in in this world too in general Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, of course there's a lot of bullying out there on social media. Have you yeah. experienced that yourself? Um, you know, a little bit. Yeah. You know, either like mean comments or just like judgment from people. And I think social media is a really easy platform for people to hide behind their phone screens and to write something nasty or, you know, like mock you or whatever. And, you know, a lot of times we would never say those insults to somebody, you know, face to face. But for some reason, when we're behind our screens, you know, in the comfort of our own homes, miles away from whoever we're looking at or criticizing on social media, it's easier. And I think that's pathetic. You know, that's not not the original purpose of social media. It was meant to connect us and it's changed so much and it's it's sad to see that kind of happening. But I will say there is a lot of positive that I've seen. And I think in the past couple of years, especially on Instagram, a huge shift has happened Happened from, you know, we have such perfect lives, perfectly curated photos to, hey, this is really what's going on in my life. Or post a photo of like the, you know, pretty like picturesque, perfectly curated photo. And then you swipe and it's like Instagram versus reality. I think that's important to mm. see all sides of it. But yeah, I, I don't think I've been a, like attacked necessarily on social media, but some hints of it and and it just doesn't feel good. Like, why do people do that? Yeah, exactly. Um, do you do you feel like Instagram has exploded over just the last few years 
as one of the most used platforms versus like let's say Facebook or Twitter or do you think like those other platforms have equally grown or or in your opinion just which platform do you think has been the most um fast growing and and efficient for mm-hmm. our generation today I would say Instagram is king. Like I don't really go on Facebook anymore. Um, I went on Twitter a lot for news. You know, we were expected to tweet constantly, but Twitter was such a, you know, like one-sided, you know, platform. Like I think there were like the people who were using it the most were mostly like journalists or like celebrities and, you know, some everyday people will like post funny things and stuff too, but it just didn't feel like the engagement was really there on Twitter. Uh, Whereas Instagram you know, obviously it's, you know, aesthetically pleasing. You see like photos, you get a really quick grasp of, you know, who somebody is and what they're all about, whether it's a brand or a business or an influencer, or anyone, TV station. Uh, it's almost like the 2020 like modern business card where you, you know, see on social media when you pull up someone's Instagram page, exactly who they are and what they're about kind of. So I found Instagram to be really efficient Uh, when I was researching and pitching guests to come on my podcast and some of the connections I made were just through DMs and like, Hey, like I can see what you're all about. I think it's fascinating. Um, you know, in, you know, some like in the bio section, it'll quickly show like CEO of, you know, this company (laughs) or founder of this, or, you know, it's almost like a resume and a business card. Instagram is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to really agree with that, too, because I've had to um, re- really all my guests are either people that I know <clears throat> just in person through connections or Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook and Twitter. I mean, it's, well, especially Twitter, like I, there's there's nobody there that I can actually DM. I've, I've tried in the past and I have succeeded in, in a couple uh, DMs here and there. But most of the time, Instagram has been my go to source to. Yeah, like you said, get po- um, guests on the podcast um but uh i find that now i use facebook and twitter just for news so when mm-hmm. i I'm, I'm at work i tweet news on those platforms mm-hmm. um but i find more instagram more appealing for me to post stuff about my life now i don't post everything out there obviously but i do post um now a uh, little bit more about what i'm doing behind the scenes mm-hmm. before it was a little bit more intimidating and again it comes down to just the the bullying or um or, or harassment you know yeah. because when you work for a fox station that may n- come with stigma as well especially in today's yeah. political climate so it's just uh but now i'm 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 starting to post a little bit more about myself and about what i do so it may not necessarily be pictures of me yeah but like for example yesterday i covered the um pete Buttigieg judge yeah. uh town hall at usc and um i posted a few pictures on my instagram mm-hmm. so they weren't about me or pictures about him but pictures that i took right um so it's just showcasing a little bit about your portfolio yep. even it's mm-hmm. a you know it's such a easy way to showcase you know, your work and what you do too. And it's just so easy to, you know, this is my, my Instagram handle, you know, follow me. And so, but I know what you mean about the harassment and also the comparison game and comparing your content and your followers. And it's, it's a nasty downward, down, downward spiral. But, (laughs) you know, I, of course, like have experienced that too. You know, we're all humans. We compare each other all the time, but just staying, you know, focused on what you do and in taking those risks and putting yourself out there, you may be pleasantly surprised by the reactions you get when you put out authentic stuff that's important to you. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite feature of Instagram? Ooh, I would say probably the stories. I love Instagram <laughs> stories. Yeah. I love that you can like geotag, you can tag people. I'm constantly on Instagram. I probably need to like quit it a little bit. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, Having said that, now uh, let's spark. And again, you said I don't have any notes on me, so it's this is all at the top of my head. But we're gonna go through a little like, what's your favorite game? Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> okay, um, what's your favorite app? Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your favorite creative app that you have installed on your phone that you that it's not social media? Lightroom. 
Lightroom. I edit my photos on that. It's an Adobe app. Mm. Yeah. I think I have it for desktop. I have I have not seen it for the the app. That's interesting. I love Lightroom. It <laughs> it's the best editing app in my opinion. But I I use a couple. Yeah. Wow. Okay. What's your favorite color? Red. It's confidence. Good luck. I like it. Very nice. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite food? Pasta all the way. <laughs> Give me like a big plate of pasta and I would be like happy. That would be my last meal probably. <laughs> wow. Okay. Favorite drink, alcoholic and non-alcoholic? Red wine, of course. Red wine paired with the pasta. <laughs> and uh, gosh, non-alcoholic, probably like an extra large iced coffee. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite song? Ooh. Mm, probably... Maybe like an oldie, like a classic. My dad always would play oldies, the Beatles, maybe something like uh, like Here Comes the Sun, like Yesterday, Hey Jude. One of those like classic oldies. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Um, Apple or Windows? Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Big Apple fan. <laughs> yeah. That was easy. <laughs> um, we, I, we probably mentioned this earlier. In fact, I think we did, but I'll ask it anyway. What's your favorite country to visit? Ugh, Italy. But I'm also, fun fact, a dual citizen of Canada. My mom was what? born there. Yep. Wow. Talk about burying the lead. <laughs> What's this? I know. I know. Buried the lead. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so if this country just like somehow, you know, something yeah. happens, I have a, an escape plan. <laughs> <laughs> One day I remembered that it, this was in the uh, dead of winter and um, uh, I went to go visit my uh, mother-in-law and uh, uh, uh she lives over in New Hampshire. Okay. She lives about uh, maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes away from the Canadian border. Mm -hmm. And this is the French Canadian side. So we drove in there because I really wanted to see Canada. And I just happened to be visiting in winter. So it was like snow everywhere. And I and, and we get into this little town called uh, Quaddy Cook. Okay. And for some reason, they have the best ice cream <laughs> I've ever tasted. <laughs> Vanilla was just, just awesome. So creamy and so different than what I've had here. It was out wow. of this world but i was there having ice cream in winter as the snow is falling like a true canadian probably <laughs> like this is a nice day it's freezing cold <laughs> exactly um okay uh let's see what else what else uh oh what's your favorite saying oh um i would say um whether you think you can or you think you can't you're right Ooh. yeah so yeah, it's all about mindset mm-hmm yeah whether you think you, you know, like can't achieve something like, oh, that's impossible. There's no way. Well, then it will for sure be impossible if you say it's impossible. Um, wow. You don't know if you don't try. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What's your favorite saying? I need to add a couple more to my, my <laughs> quote list. Oh, man. Um, let's see. Um, oh, you know, there's so many. I can't think one at the top of my head right now. Um, I do remember, though, and I brought this in the last uh, podcast episode there was uh you know i've grown up watching movies all my life in fact i wanted to be a filmmaker uh while attending school and then i just happened to land a spot in doing news and creating and i just kind of fell in love with that world mm -hmm. but i remember seeing the the scarface movie with al pacino uh -huh. you know, from the 80s yeah and there was a line in there that he said um he was asked by <laughs> this drug lord oh, <laughs> saying uh he's saying why should i believe you and he said, Scarface, Al Pacino said, um, um, because the only thing I have is my word. Ah. And so that that line has stuck with me forever because I always strive to, if I tell you something that I'm going to do something, then I'll do it. I don't want to let wow. you down. That hit me. Like, I have chills now. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, because to me, there's nothing better out there than the person's integrity and honesty mm -hmm. that's how i try and live my life too so so that's i would say that's probably my favorite saying or quote uh I it happens to come from a movie but that's good no that's great i think also uh growing up my mom and dad would say you know a reputation takes years to create and only seconds to destroy so i think yeah. just being like present and aware of like who you are and what you're saying is always important too. But we all make mistakes. We all mess up. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, like the half glass. What is it? What do they say? Half 
the glass is half empty, you're half full. Something half like full, that. right? It's like your your yeah. worldview. Are you like an optimist or a pessimist? Yeah, exactly. That's one of my other sayings. I just have to get it right. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> just have to say it right. Otherwise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, that's my other favorite one. That's great. Um, all right. Well, before we wrap this up, um, I want to leave you just with the last word. Anything that, that um, you want to talk about, say, advice uh that you want to give that maybe we didn't bring up in our conversation today yeah i think this is also a similar question i ask you know to my guests on my podcast you know what would you go back and tell your younger self you know if you could go back because we all know we can't time is the only thing we have but you know what i would share to my you know previous self would be to move forward with life with more confidence and intention and to just you know keep working hard and to not get discouraged and to focus and I think um, yeah it's a question I ask all of my guests and I never really answer but uh, I think that would be my last word is to just move forward in this life with confidence and without doubt and you know to really be conscious of the people and places you surround yourself with and we touched on this earlier but um, it's your life. Live it. Don't let people, you know, hold you back that make you unhappy or you feel judgment from. Um, because really, once you release yourself from from those kinds of, you know, shackles of negativity, the whole world opens up to you. Well said. <laughs> and I didn't even have that like written down. That just was like a bunch of BS that just spilled yeah. out of my mouth. But <laughs> no, I I I'm a firm believer that if you speak from the heart, the best stuff comes out of your mouth. Yeah. Um, really quickly, where can people find you on social media? Yes, handle? yes, I'm at the Sarah Trot on Instagram. You can also find my website and blog, sarahtrotmedia.com, and then my podcast, the From Here to Wear podcast, is on Apple and Spotify. Very nice. Woo! <laughs> yes, Sarah, thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. I wish you the best and you're doing a great job on your podcast. So everybody listening to this, go and check out her podcast. What's it called one more time? From here to where. From here to where. Go check it out. <laughs>